don't try and build everything from scratch. Use as much platform service as you can so you're not having to do a lot of the, the menial work. It's really, think of this as agile and steroids, right? Hello and welcome to the Capgemini Cloud Podcast in partnership with CIO. I'm Charlotte G, Contributing Editor of CIO. And in today's episode, we're going to discuss what tools do you need to achieve your DevOps ambitions? Today with me, we've got Amanda Clay, XPaz Product Marketing Lead, and Ben Scohen, XPaz Business Lead, and they're both from the Capgemini Cloud Platform. So first off, maybe Ben, you could give me a fun fact about yourself. Well, my, my fun fact is that I, I, I'm, I'm an aspiring musician still at the age of 45. So I actually would love to, um, I've written a great song. Well, I think it's great. Um, <laughs> and I'd love to play it on the Jules Holland show. Just one song, yeah. just, just one time, and then I would be satisfied. Right. Okay. Brilliant. Um, and maybe Amanda, can we get a fun fact from you as well? Uh, so my, my fun fact is um, a couple of weeks ago, I was on holiday in the Lake District and I had a, a really fun time swimming in the in the lake with my dog. It's, it was so hot. The weather was perfect. So yeah, really, really lovely. Yeah, that, that's my fun fact. <laughs> right, that definitely hits the brief for a fun fact. Uh, thank you very much. Um, so I guess moving on to a slightly more serious note, we're here to talk about DevOps and specifically about combining technology, people, processes and harnessing the right business culture to make DevOps a success. To kick off, Ben, do you want to tell me a bit about what you think the core principles behind DevOps are? Well, I, I, let me start with a customer story. So I was with a customer um, not, not so long ago and they want to build everything themselves from scratch, right? So there's lots of principles associated with DevOps we'll talk about later, but... Their whole ethos is, we don't want to be tied in, we want to build everything ourselves. And I asked the question, I said, how far back are you going to go? Are you going to start generating your own electricity? You know, where, At which point have you, are you building from scratch enough? So one of the, one of the core things, um, principles is, is, is all about automation. And what I would, I think about, the, the key thing here is, at what level are you going to start? Are, are you going to start at the, the, the microscopic level and automate everything and start building everything from scratch? Or are you going to embrace and take PaaS, for example, or SaaS? The whole world is going to go that way, right? You know, installing products happens now, but maybe five, six years' time, it will be everything will be a service. So I would say that you know one of the core principles now of of implementing DevOps is really start with using as high level services as you can, right? It doesn't necessarily mean you're locked in. If you do it right, you can avoid lock in but it will avoid you a lot of issues when it comes to actually um, the amount of work you've actually got to do to get to the point where you're, you're, you're automated, you're delivering quickly and successfully. So maybe it's the principle, don't build what you can buy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the, the buy not build principle is, is definitely there and that's the, the, the way that we, you know, we, we even phrased it you know, back in the 90s, but it's, it's absolutely relevant today. And in fact, that's probably, you're exactly right, Charlotte, that's probably the summary of it all. Let's buy, not build. But um, that's difficult for some customers because they, they're believing this, we've got to build everything from scratch. But the key thing that's happening in the market, and I see, is they're not building the business outcomes. So the business is now getting increasingly upset with the IT guys because they're just not delivering, right? And so that's one of the th strong themes that will come out of this conversation today is that, that partnering, don't try and do everything yourself, is, is a really key, key element to being successful with DevOps. So there's clearly no one-size-fits-all DevOps tool. There's no silver bullet. But could you briefly describe the different tools that are required at different stages of the development process? 
I'll have a go. Um, I think I think let's let's create a bit of a structure here. It's quite difficult to do this verbally, but I think it's important, right? So we've got development and we've got operations. And if we think about this concept, it's basically the people that are going to build are also going to be responsible for running it in some way, shape, or form. And that's bringing a linkage between what they do, making sure that what they do is 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 really good and works, right? So what we what we me and Amanda the way we structure this in our team is we think about how you develop, automate, test, and deliver, which is the construct we work under for, um, for, for the dev part of the DevOps. And in operations, what are the tools we need to run, gather the metrics so we can feed back in to the process to make our software better? So I'll be quite brief, but if we look at the, the kind of develop tools, right, or the build tools, let's think of the build tools. We use you know simple stuff like Confluence and Jira for all of our task management and, and gathering stuff. We use source code repositories like Git, um, and Bitbucket. When it comes to automation, we really are, uh, we've, we've gone all in with HashiCorp. And HashiCorp is a really great open source technology, which, is, which, which covers a whole bunch of the things you have to solve when it comes to delivering and operating in the cloud. The key product there that we use is Terraform, and that allows us to provision out um, script-wise um, the architecture of, of your platform or your solution on agnostic of Amazon or Azure. So that's the, the, the agnostic thing. We use Puppet for configuration management, but we could use Ansible. I'm not really emotional about either. We, we, we take Puppet because the resources, we can get people in the market who do it, and there's lots of reusable um, modules we can use. Um, and we, we bake our images. So in automation, the whole idea here is we want to bake images, like AMI images and Docker containers, and we use Terraform coupled with Packer and Puppet to do that baking of those images. That's a really important point, right? Now, there's other automation tools that I won't go into today, but you might think that you've heard of robotics, which is RPA. So robotics is critical as well as part of automation. I'll give you an example. Um, in the banking sector, if I'm trying to automate the delivery of Terminus, which is an app, a banking application, um, I can't automate that fully through scripts. I need to a robot to come in and finish that off. So that's an example where I'm coupling automation tools that allow me to build my infrastructure, automation tools that allow me to build my images and configure them, then followed up with a, a robotics tool to then finish off the configuration. So there's some really cool stuff that I can you know, talk, talk about in another podcast about the detail behind there. And then we've got the test tools. I'm not going to go too much detail, but you can think about automated testing of your UIs to testing of server configuration. There's loads of tools in that space, you know, Selenium, Sonicube, we use a lot of these things. Then in terms of CICD, continuous integration to continuous delivery to continuous deployment, we, we, we you know, for all of our build stuff, you know, pipeline stuff, we, we use Jenkins, GoCD. We, we actually major in GoCD. It's from ThoughtWorks. I think it's a really good, good, good product. But we also do Jenkins and Bamboo, which is from Atlassian. They allow you to structure the way you build your artifacts um, and, you know, test them, compile them, test them, all the order puts into them. And then we use for our binary repositories, we do things like Nexus, or Artifactory to store things. And then things like Rundeck um, will give us the ops tool, which is, so the question there we're trying to ask is, right, so we've built all this stuff. We now need to deliver out the platform and we need to deliver out the things to the platform. How do I know who did what? How can I control? Who, I want traceability, right? I want the ability to stop anybody being able to, to, to build on the platform. In fact, one of the big remits with our DevOps approach and any DevOps is just, nobody's allowed to hop onto a server to fix it. Everything has to be through what I've just described, the CI/CD pipeline, 
all done through those tools. So that's the dev bit. Quickly on the ops bit, because you, know, you asked me a question, what kind of tools? On the ops bit, right, imagine a couple of things, right? I'm spinning all this stuff up in Amazon and Azure, right? It's all got IP addresses that have been allocated. How does everything find everything? And, you know, there's lots of hype around Kubernetes and, and, and things like this, which is one absolute answer to some of the problems. But how do I do that with virtual machines? We use a product called Nomad to do that, but we also use Kubernetes, which allows us to schedule. So one one, one you know, last thing points I'll make is, is the business I'm in, I make more money if I maximize the use of my infrastructure, right? So the question I've got and what our team is, how can we make sure we sweat every bit of Amazon infrastructure to the absolute maximum so that we're, you know, we're really, we're really, um, you know, we're maximizing our profit. And we use schedulers like Nomad and Kubernetes to do that. And then finally, I would talk about a bit about the ops, the actual monitoring tools. We use Kipana for log, log collection. We use Grafana for metrics. Um, we use open source. One of the things that, this is my opinion, and it may be, and I'll finish on this is, we don't do a lot of introspection now on the code. We're not trying to find and fault find. There's too much traffic. You can't fix problems. So what we want to do is build software that works. And if it doesn't work, we know about it and we fix it. Not try and fix things that are happening in, in live, if you like. So very much, we can't deliver a fix to live without going through the whole software lifecycle. So we've bought software, DevOps is about bringing software engineering to all aspects of the, what you do. Um, and to do that, you, you've got to have the tools I've just described. Now, that's a, that was a pretty heavy talk about all those tools. But that just gives you an example. If you're going to do this, those are the decisions you're going to have to make. And, I, you know, I, that's, that's where I really feel passionate that that, um, that that is something you should undertake with eyes open. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And Amanda, would you kind of echo the open source point? What for you are the benefits of, of using open source tools? I guess with the open source tooling, there's the cost aspect, obviously, and um, sort of a, there, there's an emotional tie, I think, with open source as well. People like like that idea of um, maybe contributing back to that whole community. So I think that appeals to people. You know, that goes back to that same sort of attitude about people caring about what they're doing. But I think as, as well as the particular tools, because there are loads out there, and if you have a lot of different clever engineers, you'd probably get lots of people choosing maybe something that's fashionable at the time or something that they're excited by. Um, and you can end up with a whole array of stuff and lots of different teams in the organisation doing all their own thing. I think it's really important for there to be a standardised set of tooling, because then, especially if you've got separate um developers and separate people and running the, the operations you know if they're using the same sort of tooling they've got the same view of things you know there's that whole and again it's all about the, the discipline and the governance of it if you've got that common tooling and that standardization which again is really the whole sort of ethos about having that um, repeatability that standardization that sort of that rigor around your processes then then I think that's really important. Okay, so I guess it's slightly just convincing everyone to get behind that particular thing. Um, speaking of which, what sort of approaches do you advise to get business backing for DevOps? I mean, obviously, we're looking at companies that are at different stages, but perhaps looking at those that are a bit further along the way. Yeah, well, it's important to start small with things. I mean, we've worked with um, customers where really you've got to almost sell the value of what you're doing it's it's helping to build that whole business case around it because when you're putting automation in it can seem that you're not actually making very much progress there's a big investment into that at the very beginning 
So it can look like, from a project point of view, it can look like you're not getting anywhere. And obviously, you know, there's those pressures to really show that you're delivering things. So you, you really have to be able to prove that that investment is worthwhile and it's a longer term thing. So I think you have to start with something that's small, probably something that's quite um, suitable for the sort of process. It's not your big traditional legacy apps that's you know you've got lots of dependencies and probably the um, organizations that we work with a lot of the the um the different systems might be run by different suppliers as well so you know you have that whole lev extra level of organizational complications so if you start with something really small and simple <clears throat> excuse me and show show the value of that then i think that that builds your business case and and people have obviously heard of devops and if you know someone would say yes we've successfully implemented this here that's that's sort of that's good for them gives them some kudos there and you know and then ho hopefully that can involve and you know have more of a spread across the, the business and, and can start adding more value but it's, it's definitely a longer term thing and very important to get the backing of your you know the well the CFO we see that quite a lot if you have the backing of you know the person that holds the purse strings then then that can that can really help Ben, what do you think the biggest misconceptions are that you've come across around DevOps? I suppose that for me, the biggest misconception, Amanda's almost touched on it, right? So it is that we're, by, by embarking on this idea, we're going to automate everything. We're going to get immediate results. Now, from our experience, we've been doing this five years. The first two years were extremely inefficient, really, if I'm honest. Mm -hmm. um, we went, we, you know, we tried lots of different things and, and also the market's evolving so quickly. So I think, I think, Amanda's right, start small, do, do these things. The misconception is that you're going to get massive savings out of this. It's actually going to cost you more money. In fact, one of, one, of the things I, one of the points I should make very clearly is that if I look at the current clients I'm working with, um, I, I see a, a couple of major anti-patterns, right? The first anti-pattern I see, and I'm not going to mention the market, but um, in that they want to build and do everything themselves, right? It's almost if if they don't rely on other people, they 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 are failed, and I think that's a real, a really bad move because you you've got to really learn from what other people are doing. So in that sense, they are the the misconception there is that by just throwing people at it, they're going to get to this area where they've got things being delivered to live really really quickly, and it's all going to be fantastic. The reality is they spend an awful lot of money hire a lot of great people from the from the from the, the job market but never actually get anywhere and I'm seeing that in multiple markets and I'm not just talking about um, you know public sector I'm talking private sector as well both 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 areas um, so I think the misconception is you, you get you get you, you're gonna get a lot of savings the the real bonus though is when you do embrace it and you do have time in the saddle if you like the results are amazing right our team click a button they build a platform you know, in hours, they can scale it in milliseconds. It runs so well compared to what they used to run in terms of the number of faults. You get a real great feeling that you've done it, but it takes time, that's the point. And we started small and grew out. So I guess to an extent, it's sort of doing the hard work up front to make it easy further down the line. It is, but it's also about giving yourself options. So not getting tied into a particular the worst thing you can do is make a decision and then not change it if it needs changing. Yeah. So, so we've we've been down the route with a bunch of technologies and we just like stop. We're we're stopping this and you know there's a whole bunch of them as well. The, I tell you another big issue that I see is the the, the words like Docker become 
the answer to, to world peace, right? Um, and the reality is the clients I work with don't just need Docker, they need other things. So people confuse the whole DevOps thing with Dockerizing as, you know, making things in its image. It, it, it's so much more larger than that. It's about non-siloed teams working together, creating great software, running it really well and efficiently. Um, and, and the question is, how do you do that? I think as well, I don't think that all organisations are necessarily geared up for it because we've we've had customers that we work with and we you know, we put all this great automation in and we can say yes, you can release more frequently, you know, and you can do this at the click of a button, there you have that, but then they have, you know, like two week change control process. So you can have something ready to go, but then you have to wait two weeks for a change request to be signed off. So almost like, you know, the, the IT processes and all this stuff is built in from that point of view but the rest of the organization just isn't ready for it isn't isn't ready for frequent releases can't, can't handle it so perhaps it goes beyond the tech so it's also around um changing the processes too so what sort of processes have you seen within customers that needed to be changed so when it comes to things like faster releases perhaps approvals yeah and that's a difficult one and i haven't really seen that successfully resolved in my experience where you know we do have this sort of battle because a lot of the organizations we work with are, they're big enterprises they they often have different suppliers they have um, very much that bimodal IT so you know you're going at the speed of the very slowest thing and um, so obviously hamstrung by that to an extent um, so so yeah a lot of processes have to change it's almost like there's the barriers between the dev and the ops but there's the barriers with the rest of the business as well which I don't think is, is not this whole DevOps idea hasn't well it, it should extend of course um, and it's all, it's all common sense really but when when people are thinking about oh we're saving money and we're doing things quicker they're, they're just thinking about that and oh yes well that's the answer to everything it's the silver bullet um, I don't know if you've seen I I, I, I think there's a couple of, I agree with what you said I think there's a couple of other points to, to do that so if I look at clients we're dealing with the biggest issue we have is with the people, right? Because the cultural difference. So, so if you think about it, people are usually in an operation space, it's maybe outsourced to India. It's using lots of people to run systems. So lots of people are, are in employment. And if you think about what we're talking about here, we're talking about automation. This is Manchester, you know, 1700s, you know, the mills, automation, right? And there's lots of people who, who are scared about their jobs, and quite rightly, because this basically changes who does what. You need less people, more qualified people, um, to build more things. And that's the only way we, in this world we're ever going to get where we need to get to. So the big cult, I see two cultural things. I see, I see the, the ops guys really worrying about, well, what do I do now? Because essentially the dev guys now, which were the dev guys, are now thinking about operations. How do I run things? you know, and how do I make them run really efficiently and not need to be operated. So that 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 whole thing is a massive conflict. So the short version of this is, when I look, at, I can think of a couple of clients that I meet, the biggest issue we had is not with actually effectively installing the platform, because that's what we do, and we, we're kind of there already, so we put DevOps in quite quickly, is then working with the, the they're used to six-month release cycles, and now we're saying, well, you can have it every day or every hour if you want. And those guys go... I, well, I've met many service delivery manager who 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 doesn't like that whole message. How could, how is this possible? How is it going to be secure? So, um, you've got to take and that requires senior stakeholder management to take those. You have to go from the top. 
because you've got a nervous workforce, you've got nervous delivery managers, you've got to take them on a journey because you they don't understand what you're doing. So you need to take them with you and, and, and they're bright, so they get it quickly, but you need to take them on that journey. No, that makes sense. When all's said and done, are there, are there sort of any practical first steps that you'd advise companies take when it comes to sort of just getting on the road towards DevOps? I don't know if you could sum that up easily, but if you could, that would be great. Well, definitely, I think as we said before, start small, start something, you know, that's not not super critical, that's sort of suitable for maybe something cloud native, you know, that, that fits well with all these processes, nothing that's like the old traditional legacy systems with uh, all those dependencies and all those other complications. So starting small and proving the value of it is really important. Um, and hopefully then that leads into the, the cultural change, really get that buy in from your, your senior stakeholders and enforce that, 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 that different way of working throughout the workforce. And I think from the resourcing point of view, trying to lay those fears as well, because, okay, people necessarily wouldn't have to do the same menial tasks because those tasks can be automated, but maybe then there's opportunities to develop new exciting stuff, learn new skills, you know, start, start being able to add more features, add more business value, you know, and, and generally then that leads to, I guess, better whole customer experience and more revenue for the organisation. So, yes, definitely start start small, but then get that backing. Those are the really important things. For me, think agile when you think DevOps. You wouldn't just hire, like, architects, or you just wouldn't hire software engineers. You need to hire a mixed team, partner with people who have done it before, don't try and build everything from scratch. Use as much platform service as you can so you're not having to do a lot of the, the menial work. It's really, think of this as agile and steroids, right? It's about automating everything. You need a mixed team and you need, you need to work with people who have done it before. Yeah, okay, brilliant, thank you. So on that note, I'm gonna wrap things up. So thank you very much for joining us to the listeners and thank you also from Ben and from Amanda. Thank you. That was a pleasure, thanks. Watch out for our next episode in two weeks where we discuss is your DevOps strategy putting jobs at risk? Visit capgemini.com slash cloud to find out more.